Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash radiodetectives. Also, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast software, whether it's the iHeartRadio app, Overcast, or Good Pods. As you are making your travel plans, remember JohnnyDollarAir.com. JohnnyDollarAir.com is our Priceline affiliate link. So if you go there, uh, part of the purchase price goes to support us at no additional cost to you. So remember uh, johnnydollarair.com first. But now it's time for this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, July the 20th, 1954. And the title is The Gene Maxwell Matter. John Lund as Johnny Dollar. We're ready on your call to Boston. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Semplin? Yes, but I don't believe I remember you, Mr. Dollar. Well, we've never met. Uh, your company hired me here in Hartford to investigate the Gene Maxwell death. Oh, they didn't advise me. Well, they probably will. I called you to find out the name of the officer in charge of the case, if I could. It's, uh, uh, Lieutenant DeRosa. DeRosa. Uh, do you happen to know what their theory is, if any? Theory? I don't think they've arrived. Still a toss-up between murder and suicide, huh? Okay, Mr. Sampson, I'll be in touch. You know, many great men have attained the highest office in our land, the presidency of the United States. Can you guess the name of this man? During his 50 years of public service, he held almost every office the public could give him. He was born in Virginia in 1758. And at the age of 18, when he left college to enter the Army, his formal schooling ended. As president, his cabinet boasted the names of such distinguished Americans as John Quincy Adams and John C. Calhoun. When he was re-elected in 1820, he carried every state in the Union and won every electoral vote except one which was cast for John Quincy Adams. If you don't have his name by now, here are two more clues. During his presidency, the first public high school was started, and the first steamship crossed the Atlantic. Who was he? James Monroe, fifth president of the United States. His life is part of your American heritage. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Corinthian Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Gene Maxwell matter. Expense account item one, 75 cents. Phone call to Boston, advising your manager there of my assignment. Item two, $28, car rental and mileage. From my Hartford apartment to police headquarters, Boston. What's the matter, Dollar? Don't you trust me? Oh, sure I do, Lieutenant. But 
these insurance people get uneasy when there's a choice between suicide and murder. Unless the murder motive is the policy. And you don't think there's a chance of that? Well, I wouldn't say definitely not, but the Maxwell girl made her mother her beneficiary, and her mother's an invalid in a rest home. Did you know the mother is taken up with an old flame? No, I didn't. Goes to see her a couple, three times a week. Crazier things have happened. Uh, I'll get the file. Sit down. Well, this is all we've got so far, pending coroner's inquest and autopsy report. Here's a photo of where she was found. Huh. Shallow water. At the bridge? Yes, she was lying right about there. But I don't think you have to worry about suicide, Dollar. As far as I'm concerned, it wasn't. Yeah, I'll buy that, too. I wouldn't say this bridge is a suicide type. Too low. Yes, and there's another thing. I've been on the force for more years than I like to count. And I run into my share of suicide. I've never known a woman to do it this way without taking off a coat. Oh? Usually shoes, too. I've learned that part of a generally accepted pattern. The Maxwell girl didn't fit the pattern. Uh Here's the way she looked. Coat on, belt still tied, shoes, and her purse is missing. We're dragging the stream for it. Uh How old was she? 21. She was a beautiful girl. How much questioning have you done, Lieutenant? Not as much as we'll do after the inquest. When'll that be? Day after tomorrow. Do you want anything more here? No, no thanks, Lieutenant. I'll check with you later. I drove out to the stream where they found the girl's body, and there chalked up another point against her death being a suicide. The bridge from which she dropped was a good four miles from town. Boston had better bridges to offer within its limits. I followed the river bank and found the approximate spot from which the police photograph had been snapped. On the assumption that she'd been brought there in a car, the placement of her body in relation to the two lanes on the bridge made it look as if the car was going toward Boston, not away from it. Five minutes later, I was heading the same way. Miss Mary O'Neill? Yeah. The manager suggested I come up. He told me you shared this apartment with Jean Maxwell. That's right. Who are you? My name is Dollar. I'm from her insurance company. I'd like to talk to you about her if I could. I suppose so, but there's nothing I can do now. This is the biggest shock I ever had. I always said there'd be trouble, but I never thought she'd do anything like this. Maybe she didn't. What's that supposed to mean? Well, there are signs that say that maybe she didn't commit suicide. Do I? Do you think she had any reason to? Well, that's what I said. I never thought she would. Sit down any place. Thanks. Did you say uh, you expected trouble? Yeah. I kept telling her. It was the way she went. Like she couldn't live fast enough. Like there wasn't enough time to get everything done. She's been like that ever since she got rid... I mean, her mother went into that hospital. Jean was all tied down taking care of her before. Well, what could have caused trouble? Well, I'm not saying she was wrong or anything. But there were too many men. Do you mind telling me who they are? I don't know. Only about one, Harold Corey. He's gone with her the longest. He's a big blonde truck driver. Harold Corey? Yeah, he drives for the Seaboard Trucking Company. Sometimes he goes way up to the West Coast. 
And while he was gone, Jeannie didn't stay home and catch up on her reading, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I do. Not with a different guy almost every night. I didn't cry, but she'd never tell me who they were. You think somebody killed her, don't you? Would you help me try to find out? What could I do? Well, you didn't want to pry, but I get paid to. I'd like to look at her things. I suppose it's my duty, sort of, isn't it? Well, in a way it is, yeah, but I can't force you to. Oh, I know it's the thing to do. Some of her drawers are locked, but I'll show you what I can. I started on the locked dresser drawers. They gave up and opened after a brief struggle, but contained on the whole things that might normally be locked up because of their value. Imported perfume, expensive lingerie, and some jewelry. The only thing that looked as if it might have been hidden for the sake of secrecy was under the jewel box. It was a gold house key with a heart-shaped bow. I never saw that before. I never saw the perfume before either. That's a few hundred dollars worth of perfume. And the rest of this stuff. Was Jean used to such expensive things? <laughs> Not that I knew about. Hell, Corey sure couldn't show out that kind of money. And that heart-shaped key, that's cozy. I'd like to keep it if I could. Well, I don't know about that. After all, it isn't mine. I might get into trouble. No, you won't, I promise you. I want to find out where it was made, if I can, and uh, who ordered it. Oh, yeah, I get it. Sure, I wouldn't stop you from doing that, even if I could. A phone call to the Seaboard Trucking Company gave me the information that Harold Corey was out on a run to Philadelphia, but was expected about three in the morning. Expense account item three, seven dollars. Drinks and dinner after I checked into the Bristol Hotel. Item four, ten cents. Phone call to Gene Maxwell's employer. Edward Hollis was at home and would see me. Come into the living room, Mr. Dollar. We may as well be comfortable. Well, it's nice of you to see me, Mr. Hollis. I thought it would be better to do it this way rather than bother you at work. Of course, and I, I appreciate it. The atmosphere at the office has been very gloomy. I, oh, this, uh, this is Mrs. Hollis, Mr. Dollar. How do you do? Quite well, thank you. I didn't know the poor girl, but it's a dreadful thing. Yes, yes, I'm afraid it is. I simply don't understand. A young girl like that with everything to live for. It may be even worse than that. Worse? How could it be worse? Well, it looks more and more as though her death was not a suicide. <gasps> Mr. Donner. I didn't mention it on the phone. The police think it was murder. So do I. I... I can't believe this. Why do you think that? You see, the police know how people commit suicide. And on average, all suicides do certain things. The Maxwell girl didn't do any of them. Really? This is a shocker. Uh, I suppose I could be dragged into a courtroom along with everybody else who knew her. Uh, uh, Beatrice, uh, you run along upstairs. There's... No reason for your going through this. All right, Edward. I think I'd rather. Good night, Mr. Dollar. Good night. I'm sorry, but couldn't be helped. Of course it couldn't. I understand. Please don't be long, Edward. I won't, dear. Could I, uh, could I fix you a drink, Mr. Dollar? No, thanks. I'll make this as fast as possible. I don't know how much you knew about Jean Maxwell's private life. Oh, I know nothing. I... I have a number of girls in the office, as long as they do their work when I ask no questions. As a matter of fact, I, I have no right to. Sure. 
Now, from what I've gathered, she was mixed up emotionally. She hadn't had much freedom because of an invalid mother she took care of. Well, I didn't know that. When the mother went into a hospital, Jean began to make up for lost time. She led her friends to believe that she was friendly with a lot of men. But I don't believe that. Oh? I think it was one man. One with enough money to buy her expensive things. Perfumes, jewelry, even a gold key. Well, I have to admit that she was very beautiful. You say that uh, she worked with a number of girls at your office. Yes, yes, there were 11 of her. Well, out of those 11, did she have any close friends that you know of? Well, let's see, uh, the Dyer girl, uh, Grace, that is. Uh, they seem to be quite friendly. I, I couldn't be sure of any of the others. Oh, would you give me all their names, then? Uh, I'd like to talk to them. Of course. Oh, uh, perhaps it'd be better if you phoned me at the office in the morning. I could give you their addresses as well. All right, we'll do it that way. Well, thanks very much, Mr. Hollis. I'm sorry meeting you couldn't have been more pleasant. The next morning, I had a list of 11 feminine names and the address of Harold Corey, Jean's truck-driving friend. By 10.30, I was following up the ladder. Will you? I can't see anybody now. I'm an investigator from Gene Maxwell's insurance company. I want to talk to you about her. So, uh, wait a minute. I'm sorry to bother you. My name is Dollar. Come on in. I have, I've been out of town. I didn't know about what happened until I got the paper this morning. It really got me rocked. Sure. I can understand that. How much do you know about her? Why did she do it? She didn't. What do you mean by that? It's not suicide, it's murder. Murder? You knew her pretty well, didn't you? Yeah, pretty well. Did you buy gifts for her? Once in a while, birthday, Christmas, times like that. What kind of gifts? What are you driving at? Can't you remember? Yeah, sure. Candy, handkerchiefs, things like that. I... You know, I don't think I like your approach, mister. Now, calm down, Mr. Corey. I'm giving you a chance to rehearse before the police get at you. When did you see her last? Night before I left Philadelphia. And when was that? Two nights ago, Tuesday. Left at five Wednesday morning. She was found Wednesday morning. I know that. You're in a spot. Do you know that? You're telling me people think I killed her? Me? I, I loved her. I wanted to marry her. I'm sorry, friend. In this situation, that's a motive, not an alibi. Get out of here, will you? Get out and leave me alone. You're not helping yourself with this act. You're making it worse. Get out. <laughs> This is Dollar, Lieutenant. I just left a friend of the Maxwell girl, name of Harold Corey. Dollar, if I could have located you, I could have saved you the trouble. What do you mean? 
The death was suicide after all. What? How come? Autopsy report. There was a concussion from that drop from the bridge, but that wasn't the cause of death. Now, wait a minute. Not so fast. Cause of death was from carbon monoxide. Looks like he pulled the suicide where it would embarrass somebody, and her body was tossed from the bridge to get her out of the way. Mind if I cut in to say something, fellows? It won't take too long, since a word to the wise is sufficient. And in the English language, there is one word which is important to just about everyone in the world. That word is security. Security has several different meanings, however. Usually, we think of it in connection with the protecting of our military installations and defense industries. But it means more than that. There is a security which applies to every man, woman, and child in America. The security which comes from being in good health, having a good education, and being well taken care of in case things get a little too tough to handle by oneself. This kind of security is the problem of the president's newest cabinet member, the Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare. This department ties together the work of several governmental agencies. First, there is the United States Public Health Service, which strives to make certain that the general health of the people in our country is in the best of conditions. Then, there is the Food and Drug Administration, which guarantees that the food we eat is pure and safe to eat. The Social Security Board, which takes care of old people, children, and the blind who need assistance, also comes under the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, as does the United States Office of Education. This office does research on the educational possibilities, changes, and opportunities, and passes on its information to the various state boards of education. As you can see, the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare is one of the most important agencies in our government, assuring us, as it does, of a normal and healthy way of life. And now with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. autopsy report, death by asphyxia caused by presence of large amounts of carbon monoxide agent unknown. That's it, probably automobile exhaust. That's the most popular these days. Huh. You believe this, Lieutenant? I believe what's on the report. And how did you say she got into the river? I said maybe she committed suicide somewhere so that somebody would get involved. To get rid of her, she was probably dumped in the stream. What's the matter, Dollar? I thought you'd be happy with this suicide evidence. The insurance company hired me to dig up the facts. If it was suicide, all right. But if it wasn't, they want to know that, too. And I still don't think it was. Why not? Well, from what I've learned, she wasn't the type. She liked to be alive. And she played it hard enough to leave some motives lying around. 
Jealousy, for one. That boyfriend of hers, Corey? He's a possibility. I talked to him, and for my money, he deserves checking. And then there's, uh, this. Hmm. What does this unlock? I wish I could tell you. But it was undoubtedly given to her by somebody. I'd like to know who. You think you could put a couple of men on it? Find out where it was made? All right, Dollar. I'll stick my neck out that far for you. I'm under orders, you know. I have to be assigned before I can investigate. Sure, I understand. But I'll take your story upstairs and see what the brass says. Let me know what else you find. I will. Oh, uh, do you have the address of the old flame you mentioned? The mother's friend? <laughs> Still like to settle for fraud, wouldn't you? The desk sergeant will give it to you. His name's Paul Anderson. <laughs> I'm from Gene Maxwell's insurance company, Mr. Anderson. Wonder if you could spare me a few minutes. I yes, I suppose so. Come in. You're the adjuster, so soon? No, I'm an investigator. Oh. I didn't know she had a policy. Well, she did. Twenty-five thousand dollars to go to her mother. I see. But her death has been classed as suicide, which Voids the policy. The two-year self-destruction clause is still in effect. Now, that's a pity. Now, why do you say that? The least she could have done for poor Mildred. That's her mother? Yes, an extremely young mother. It was almost ruined her life for that girl. I didn't know that. The daughter was born when Mildred was only 17. And she was left to care for the girl herself. I've helped as much as I could. I don't want you to misunderstand. There's nothing to be hidden. I suppose it is unusual. I did meet Jean first. But when she took me to her home and I met her mother, I realized that Jean was, well, no more than a cheap little opportunist. The complete opposite from her mother. As I say, I suppose it is unusual. Oh, that doesn't make any difference. The point is that you dropped the girl in favor of her mother. Is that it? It wasn't the gross situation you evidently wish it had been. Now, look here. This has gone far enough. You've asked me these questions for only one reason. So that you can draw your own conclusions. You think I sent Mildred to the home to get her out of the way now, don't you? Well, that is not the case. But you can think what you like. And go ask Mildred if you care to. No, I won't bother her. You know anything about a gold key that Jean had? A gold key? No, I don't know anything about a gold key. I've known very little about Jean at all these past months. So many people seem to know so little about her. Dollar, I've been wondering how you were making out. How are you, Mary? Have the police been here yet? No, and no, I'll be scared to death if they do come. I feel guilty the minute one looks at me. Oh, that's common enough. Have you remembered anything that could help? Not a thing, Mr. Dollar. And I hardly slept last night. It's creepy. With her room just like it was the last time she left it. I've got to get her move out or get somebody else in there. Yeah. Mary, did Jean ever mention Paul Anderson to you? Anderson? No, I don't think so. Not that I can remember anyway. She was always kind of secret about things. She did talk to you about her mother, though. A little, yeah. About her being in the hospital. Anything about how she got there? No. Except I got the idea Jean thought it was wrong how much fun she was having without her mother to worry about. She never told you who was paying the bills? No, who was? Is Anderson guy? Yeah. You're sure she never mentioned him? I'm sure I'd remember if she did because I was curious and she never mentioned any of them. Okay. Thanks, Mary.
I checked that night with six of the 11 girls who had worked, lunched, and chatted with Jean Maxwell. Their collective description was of a girl who listened to and enjoyed what other people said, but had little to offer herself. None of them knew anything about her private life. But the next morning, the police located a goldsmith who said he remembered making the heart-shaped key. I went out to see him and then got back to Lieutenant DeRosa. How'd you make out with that fussy little man, Dollar? Well, we found the day the key was ordered, and he remembered a few things. Because a councilman's wife came in that same day. What? The customer, Carter was the name he gave, mentioned a cottage on a bay. Well, that's east. And the girl's body was found northwest of here. I think she was dumped from a car coming toward Boston from out there. So I think the cottage is in that direction. Deduction yet. Well, if I were going to dump a body, I wouldn't carry it through town to take it to that bridge, would you? I'm being paid to think about another case. I couldn't sell the murder pitch upstairs, but I tried, and I'll buck for promotion if you're right and upstairs is wrong. I don't suppose you could earn that promotion by assigning some men to cover that northwest section, huh? Mm -hmm, Not a chance. That's county. Division of responsibility. Yeah, and we'd all be surprised to know how many criminals take advantage of that. Expense account item five, $35 mileage. Covering a -a two-and-a-half-day canvas of real estate offices northwest of town. Object, a cottage probably rented prior to the month of June by a man possibly using the name J.E. Carter. It was a vague lead that meant morning to night legwork. But on the third afternoon, it paid off. We don't rent much up here is why I remember. Uh, Now, she was a dark-haired girl, is that right? That's right. The Anson place out on Birch Road. Has anybody been there in the past few days? Not that I know about. They used to be there every two or three days, too. Hmm. How was the rent paid? Cash or check? By, uh, um, a ca- cashier's check. Or was it regular? A definite day of the month, I mean? And you know the bank? Yes, yes, I do. Between the first and fifth of each month since May, a check on the commercial bank. Thanks. Now I'd like to ask one more favor. Would you take me out to the cottage? I certainly will. It's a police affair. I'm not an... I'm not the one to stand in the way. Well, John, I've always said that I personally vouch for the people I do business with. You never know, do you? That's a profound truth in any business. I'll certainly try to be more careful in the future. You want to go now? I think I've seen enough. Hmm. Here, let me lock it. I want to see if this key fits. Huh? It did fit. Yeah, it did. Hello, Mr. Hollis. May I come in? Yes, yes, of course. Well, I, I didn't expect to see you again. Didn't you, Mr. Hollis? You thought you'd get away with it? What did you say? No, there's no reason to be clever with each other. I know you killed her. You rented a cottage out beyond Mystic River. You used the name J.E. Carter. Come into the other room. You're right, I... I did become infatuated with her. If you'd known her, you'd understand. 
I realized last week that it had to stop, and I told her. She's been with that young Corey boy. I told her even if I was single and eligible to marry her, I would advise her to hang on to him, someone her own age. That was last Tuesday night? Yes. She left the cottage, and I heard her drive off. Or at least I thought I did. When I went out, I... I learned what she had really done. She committed suicide in the car. You could hardly blame me for wanting to keep the secret. It wasn't suicide, Mr. Hollis. You know it, and I know it. All right, Mr. Dummer. I'll make my statement to the police. Fine. I'll drive you down. Thank you. Edward. Beatrice. Go back upstairs. No, Edward. I won't. I insist, Beatrice. What good would it do? After what I've done because I lost you. Why should you ask me to go upstairs while I lose you again? I forbid you to say another word. She had taken him away from me. Because she was beautiful. And I no longer am. I was waiting in their cottage, Mr. Dollar. And when they came in, I struck her. Is that the truth, Mrs. Hollis? I killed her. And since there was nothing left of our lives, we carried her to the car. What Expense account item six, $110. Final bill for car rental. Item seven, $85, miscellaneous. Expense account total, $265.85. Remarks. I don't know what sticklers the Massachusetts courts of law are, but Jean Maxwell was not killed by the wronged wife. She was unconscious, but alive, when Hollis put her into the car trunk. She died there by carbon monoxide. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. You've been listening to Suspense and Private Investigator Johnny Dollar. Join us again tomorrow night at the same time as FEN presents 55 Minutes of Comedy with My Favorite Husband and The Adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. That's tomorrow night at 9.05 on the Far East Network. Welcome back. Well, this is a reused script. This was used during the Lund era in 1953, and it was uh, adapted from the Jones Sebastian matter that was presented during the O'Brien era in 1950. Regardless of the name, it's a good case and works in some real insurance uh, situations has a lot of twists and turns in terms of who the audience is suspecting from moment to moment. And I do think they do a fairly good job of spacing out this 
reperformance, as there's a good size gap of 16 months in between the uh, performances. If you want to re-listen to that version, it was episode 3553, which we played in September of 2021. Now, this is an episode that was broadcast over the Far East Network, which was a radio station network that reached American uh, service personnel in Japan, Okinawa, the Philippines, and Guam. This was most likely a repeat from the late 60s or early 70s. And you get a clue to that because they mention that the next day they're going to be playing a a comedy special with My Favorite Husband and The Great Gildersleeve. Now, My Favorite Husband was not a series playing over radio in 1954. It went off the air in 1951. So, uh, the military radio stations continued to play old-time radio programs from uh, transcription discs that they'd received into the 1960s and 70s, which is something to be thankful for because without them doing that, we would not have near as many uh, programs from so many series that we have today. Now, I should mention that we actually only have three more episodes with John Lund left. Typically, I don't give that sort of notice for change of actor, but with as long as Lund was Johnny Dollar and as many episodes as we played, I think it's worth uh, mentioning. By the time we finish the Lund era, we'll have played 83 weeks with John Lund as Johnny Dollar, which is more episodes than we have of Casey Crime's Photographer. And, of course, we've had uh, three episodes we didn't play either the first time around or uh, when we had some lost episodes uh, discovered a few years back. And we'll have one more of those before we're done. So, John Lund has been uh, with us uh, for quite a while and uh, giving quite a bit of entertainment. Of course, that means that our second go through the Bob Bailey era is just around the corner. Listener comments and feedback now. We have a comment on YouTube from Ronser, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. I've, I've said it on Amazing World of Radio. I don't think I've read it on uh, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, but he writes in regarding the Patterson transport matter. I was a delivery man for 30 five years. This never happened to me, but it was something you were concerned about. Not so much having a maniacal killer follow you home, but being hijacked or mugged en route was always in the back of your mind. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you sharing that. And certainly the issue raised in the Patterson transport matter was definitely a legitimate security concern even if the reason for it was a bit out there. Again, I appreciate your comment. And we have an email from Greta who writes, Shalom, have you considered uh, uh, Chandu as a series? Uh, Toda Greta. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the question, Greta. And I have not actually considered uh, Chandu for the series because he's not really a uh, detective. It from everything I've read, seems like he's much more of an adventure 
uh, sort of character, and with a strong appeal towards a juvenile audience. And that kind of remains a question. I have uh, planned, once we kind of finish up our Thursday Great Detectives episodes, to move the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio back to five days a week. And probably at this point, we're leaning towards doing adventure programs, although my focus uh, has been more on adult adventure in terms of planning. Things like Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, Bold Venture, or the Scarlet Pimpernel. And mix that in with a lot of the sort of adventure anthology series that were out there. That would eventually include some more juvenile targeted series like Tarzan or Jungle Jam or Chando is not something I've quite gotten to in terms of my thinking. I know that there are adults who would have little interest in a juvenile series. However, I th there are some uh, programs that even if they were targeted towards juveniles in their original broadcast, uh, did build an audience of adult listeners. And it may depend on the program. So that's uh, one of those things I've not really investigated, but I do appreciate you mentioning. And I'll certainly give it more thought as I get further into the planning. Thank you so much, Greta. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank James. James has been one of our Patreon supporters since February of 2020, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, James. And that will do it for today. A reminder, if you want to be sure to never miss an episode, I encourage you to follow our podcast with your favorite podcast software, whether it's TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. And if you are enjoying this uh, on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But coming up tomorrow, listen for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Robert, we want to ask you some questions. This is Sheriff King, and I'm Ranger Pearson. Texas Ranger? That's right. Tell me, son, you remember what happened last night? Yeah. Man killed my pa. Where's Ma? I want to see her. Well, you can't right now, Robert. Why? I want to talk to her. Can you can you tell us what happened, son? He had a gun. He made Pa take everything out of his pocket. Then he was going to take the car. Pa tried to stop him. Was it just one man? Uh-huh. You think you'd know him if you ever saw him again? I think so. Was he a tall man? Oh, he's about as tall as Pa. He'd be about 5'8", Jason. How about his hair, Robert? What color was it? It was dark. Kept falling in front of his eyes. Did you notice anything different about him? Any scars or anything like that? No, I don't remember any. Do you remember what he was wearing? Uh, 
Well, there's just one more thing, Robert. What about his voice? Was it high or low? I don't know. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.